Okay, we're recording. Um, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is the last episode before I hit five years, Emily. So you are the wow. end, the end of a four-part uh, series on sketch noting, and I have Emily Carlton, who I met actually four years ago at Creative South. We were walking, and um, I don't meet a stranger. So I was glad to meet Emily and she has just so blown me away with everything she's done and she's gone out on her own and she, so while I kind of built this series was I kind of wanted to give you the backstory, kind of the science a little bit behind, which I think Alma would probably cringe. And she's like, I didn't do the science, but it really was <laughs> like, it was a lot of facts about sketching and how sketching helps us think. And then went to um, Amaryllis Henderson, who talked about faces, because I feel like that's kind of a barrier for a lot of people. They don't want to draw the faces or the bodies. And then uh, we kind of saw the evolution of sketchnoting with Johnny Gwynn last week, um, going from not being able to draw really well to now understanding it, the layout and everything. And then you, because you're actually doing this. You're taking it to the <laughs> streets and you're doing it professionally and you're making money at this. And so, and I think hopefully it'll be very, um, give people a lot of hope because now they will see that maybe they could do whatever their side project is. If their side project sketch noting, maybe they could do that too, but whatever it is, they can actually take some steps. And it is a little bit of a leap of faith, I think, to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. When I actually heard some of the answers to the questions, I was like, whoa, really? And so she's just, she's just ballsy people. So I'm super excited <laughs> to have Emily on. So Emily, give us a little bit of your background. Um, about design illustration, I know you're an illustrator as well, but where did your love for kind of sketch noting begin? Uh, well, I'll go back just a little bit before that. So I went to school as a designer because I actually wanted to be an illustrator. I wanted to be a cartoonist like Gary Larson. However, I'm also really logical and I didn't think it would make a lot of sense to go to college to become an illustrator because you can't make money being an illustrator. And so I kind of went the design route because I still wanted to do art. I knew I liked it, but I also wanted to make a living and not struggle. So went to school for design, ended up working for nonprofit churches, small, small businesses, startups, and then my own clients. And eventually I was uh, a designer at a church at the time and a friend of mine asked if I could illustrate for some whiteboard videos and that's kind of how the whole sketch noting thing started with a uh, whiteboard video. So when, how many years ago was that? That was probably two and a half years ago. And so when do you feel like you started sketch noting? Because this was what was impressive to me. Uh, I think I've, my first sketch note was in March of 2015. So that's not very long that you not were sketch noting, and then you said, "Hey, I'm just gonna. This is good. I I can do this. I feel like this is one of your something in your wheelhouse, right?" Yeah, this is a thing that I can do. So, um, all right. So, which I think is pretty courageous, actually. Um, I love that. So, do you have any tips for people? So that was um, I, I'm reading this book right now about personality types and um, people who just take that. Um, uh, like I'm just. I don't know, frozen by fear at times. Mm -hmm. And that does not seem to be your, um, uh, that does not seem to be the case. Like you just said, Hey, this is okay. I'm pretty good at, it. I know I can continue to learn at it. And I think mm -hmm. I'm like that in some ways maybe, but most, I mean, this is amazing that you did this and you just felt strong enough that you could just go. And I just feel like that most people I think would be kind of like me. So what, what was it that allowed you to kind of feel like, Hey, you know, I have these skills. I, it doesn't have to be perfect. 
Um, that's a good question. I think it's mostly just the confidence in knowing like where I started out, like even as a kid, just drawing cartoons and illustrating mm. things. And I love cartooning more because it pairs wit and humor with art. And I think sketchnoting is really a kind of a way of comics and cartoons and drawing and bringing together that information and the art together again. So it's a good fit just because that's what my background is. That's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Now it's not necessarily writing the humor and telling jokes, but I get to eliminate information with art, which is just a cool fit. It is. It's super cool. All right. So do you have any tips for beginners in sketch noting? Yeah, I think... Um, the biggest thing is, like everybody says, practice regularly. Um, my first sketch note is horrible, and we can look at it in a second if you want to, but everyone has to start somewhere. But the more you practice, the better you're going to get. And that's with anything, whether it's singing or dancing or art or sports, like practice matters. And if you're not doing it consistently, you're not going to get better. So um, number one, practice regularly. And then two, just I think a lot of sketchnoters get caught up focusing on the drawing part. And I know you guys have talked about that in the other series um, with Amaryllis and Johnny and Alma, uh, just about how, oh, I can't do this because I'm not an artist. But I kind of come from the other side where I think it's all about the information. Like when, when people hire me as an artist to come in and draw their conference or their workshop or their panel, like they're not hiring me because I can draw an amazing image. Now I can, but they're hiring me because I can highlight their information. Mm -hmm. Like their information is good. They just don't know how to make it interesting and lasting and shareable. So, and quick and quick. So to me, the whole point of sketch noting is to highlight the information. So if you can draw a stick figure and it's memorable, that's effective and start with the the stick man and the little square house, but work your way up. So um, I always say in my workshops, make it memorable before it's a masterpiece and <laughs> go for recognizable before you go for realistic. So as long as you can tell it's a dog, you're fine. It doesn't have to be the best dog ever. Just make it simple. Right. I think that's great. And so I think that's where, for me, fear takes over. Like, no one's going to know that's a dog or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's like washing out screen printing screens. Can you hear that by chance? Yep. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I can text him in a second, maybe. But anyway, um, so what kind of things did you learn early on? Because you already kind of had the drawing kind of stuff down. Mm -hmm. But what did you learn early on that maybe you're still using? Um, I think um, the biggest piece of information that I was shared with um, by William, who owns the Sketch Effect, was always keep your hand moving. So if you're sitting there with your notebook open or whether you're doing graphic recording, which is like the big four foot by six foot boards that we do, um, at all times your hand should be moving, not just because it's productive for you, but it looks professional. Like if you're hired to be an artist and you're just standing there like staring at the speaker with your <laughs> mouth open, that doesn't look like you're doing anything. So even if you're not, if they're not saying anything relevant, they're on a bunny trail and you're just like, this is not important. I don't need to be capturing this. You can keep your hand moving by making a picture more beautiful than maybe you did the first time. Or the chances are when you're capturing a talk in real time, you have to kind of skip ahead. So that's the time when you can kind of go back and fill it in. So if you always keep your hand moving, it looks professional and it helps you keep your mind fresh and focused because if you stand there and just stare at the speaker, your mind's going to wander and you can't have that. 
So then, so it's a, it's different when you're doing graphic recording and maybe it's not different, but I do have a question about that. And maybe you can show us a picture because maybe some people don't know really what the difference is between mm -hmm. sketch noting and graphic recording. You want to kind of tell us what the difference is? Yeah, I think it's, they're pretty similar. I think sketch notes are usually a little bit more low key, maybe more personal. So um, we actually don't get a lot of sketchnote clients at the Sketch Effect. People want the big, huge, colorful boards that people can see in large groups. Um, but for sketchnoting, I would say it's more personal. So I can come into a conference, I can sit in the front row, and I can do the sketch notes, and no one's going to know except for the three or four people around me. So that's great if you have an event where maybe there's a lot happening and adding another artist is going to be way too distracting. Um, it's also good if your event is like pretty fast paced and there's not a lot of break time for people to go look at the boards in the lobby if it were graphic mm. recording. So in that case, we can just take a picture, scan the sketch notes in and then email it to the attendees afterwards. And it's more effective like that because it's like a visual recap instead of like a conference showpiece. So graphic recording is what I call sketch notes on crack. And it's just... It's the same concept. You're capturing everything in real time. However, you're just making it bigger and brighter. So with sketch notes, we usually do black, white, and gray, and then an accent color. Uh, but with graphic recording, we use anywhere from three to six colors, just depending whether it's like different kinds of blues or like blue and orange. Like we play with our color palettes a lot, depending on the client color palette. So there's a lot more fun, bright vibrancy with graphic recording. And I think that's why people want it more just because it's more public so you'll like i saw some pictures and you would like have a pen in every hand right yeah so it's, you're standing you're drawing and then you've got like your tool palette is your physical hand right yeah yeah pretty much so i keep a nail bag this is it on my belt and it's just like a clip-on thing um and then we have all of the markers in there however because i'm using black white gray and then maybe two colors um, these are the Neuland markers that we use and they're water-based so they don't stink. Um, they're just really great to white, write with. They have a chisel tip, but the great thing about them is that they have this cap that kind of has a notch on it. So mm -hmm. when I'm working and I just like put it in my fingers, it's not going anywhere. So I just have my hand down at my side and my <laughs> marker is just kind of hanging there and it's not going anywhere. And that way I don't have to like take it out of the pouch. Un right. unclip the cap, which is like snap. And if you're in like a really quiet panel, it's really obnoxious for the artist to be constantly like uncapping the marker the entire time. Right. So it's just smart for us to keep all the pens uncapped, stick them in your fingers and just pull them out as you need them. So, so uh, Kim is asking, what was the marker brand again? And I'm going to write it down. Yeah, it's called Neuland, N-E-U-L-A-N-D. And these are kind of expensive. They're only in Germany, so you have to get them shipped and it takes forever to get to you, but they're worth every penny. Uh, the cool part is that they're refillable, so there's a little hole here and you oh. buy ink separately and you just refill it every time it starts to get dry. So how often, so Kent asked, don't they dry out? Not actually, I mean, the tip will dry out a little bit, but once you start marking with it, it just flows right because there's a whole ink reservoir in there. So yeah, the tip might dry out if I haven't been using it for the past five or 10 minutes, but because I'm constantly keeping my hands moving, it's not really a problem. So with a graphic recording, um, is it still about like 20, 40, 60 minute talks or you, do you have multiple boards or one board has to be for 20 minutes or one board has to be for 40 minutes? 
So usually our board limit is 25 to 30 minutes is the low end. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard to fill a four foot by six foot board with information in that amount of time. It's possible, but the pictures are usually going to be bigger to fill up the space. Um, I think the sweet spot is about 45 minutes to an hour and anything above an hour, you're probably going to need a second board because that's too much information for one board to fit on. Right. Um, you can fit it on there. There are graphic recording and sketch note companies that will just say, this is what you get. And if you have two hours, it's going in that space. Or if you have one hour, it's going in the same space and they just kind of cram everything in there. But um, at the sketch fact, we're a little bit different in that it's all about the viewer journey for us. Like, Mm. Yes, we want it to be beautiful and we want it to be pretty and we want to highlight the information. But if you can't read it or nor understand it at a just like a quick glance, then it's not effective. So for us, it's all about the journey of, okay, here's where the talk started. Here's how it's going along. Here's the three points that they brought up. And then here's the conclusion. And if you can't tell the structure of the talk, then it's just noise and people aren't going to remember it as well. All right, so a couple questions. I'm writing new questions down. So you keep <laughs> talking about we, so I want you to explain what the sketch effect is and how you got involved with that, because I know it wasn't on my sheet, but I think it's critical. Yeah, so the sketch effect is a visual communication solutions company, which is a mouthful way of saying we draw your information out. So uh, we do whiteboard videos. So um, Georgia Power actually contracts the sketch effect to do explainer videos to talk about their products or... Um, even like power. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. My dad worked for the power company, you know, over yeah. 30 something years. So uh, Georgia power. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves actually just, uh, we wrapped up a project with them where we made an explainer video about their new stadium. So explaining to the viewers, here's how the new stadium works. Here's how the parking works. Here's what you need to bring. Here's what you're not allowed to bring. And I thought it was a great success. I'm not even in Georgia. I'm in Tennessee, but it was cool to watch the sketch effect work explain something that's very complex. So if you were to just get an email from the Atlanta Braves saying, hey, our new stadium's open. Here's all the rules. And it's like a huge text email. No one's going to read that. They're going to show up for game day and it's going to be chaos. But if you send them a link to a video that's like two or three minutes long and it tells them everything they need to know and there's pretty pictures, like everyone's like, cool, got it, nailed it. Right. And so basically we create a visually engaging experience. We want people to remember the information and share the information. And so are these, so Kent asked a dry erase board. So are, are these are uh, for the sketch effect? Are those uh, are they mainly, let me just use that. Are they mainly on whiteboards, dry erase boards? So actually, no, um, it's more called whiteboard just because of the style. I think when they ah. first came out, people were using whiteboards to draw. And I, the whiteboards videos that I've done were actually on whiteboard. It was with the dry erase <laughs> marker. Um, but instead, it's more of an illustrative video. We have big sheets of white paper and we use black markers and sometimes colored too. Um, and that's more for the ease of the artist in the shooting. So if you're shooting on a whiteboard, it's a very reflective surface. Um, mm. It's just hard to get a good shot without the artist being impeded and the lighting being good. So instead, we just use paper, but the style is called whiteboard video. Okay. So, and I actually just put clipped up with your first video. I left out the F, but it <laughs> says Erst whiteboard video. So that's uh, Emily's first one. So then um, how did you get involved with, with that company? Um, so when I first did the first whiteboard video, that was for a friend in Houston uh, who worked at a film studio there, and they were just pitching whiteboard ideas to their clients to hire them to do whiteboard videos. Um, and so I was just an illustrator that they brought into 
help with a couple projects to just show that they were capable of doing that kind of video work. Um, and then I posted that on my Dribble account because why not? It's something new and different that I was working on. And I was at the time I felt like I was in a rut um, creatively and I wasn't doing a whole lot of different work. So I was like, this is new and different. I'm just going to put it on Dribble, even though it's not like a beautiful vector design, like everything else on Dribble. I was like, here's some crappy whiteboard drawings, but um, the sketch effect was scouting for talent at the time and they saw it and they were like, this person does whiteboard videos and we do whiteboard videos and she just started and would you like to come work for us and we can train you on how to do all these things. So that was really my intro into sketch noting, graphic recording, whiteboard videos. So was this a full time or was this like contract? It was contract. So I was still working um, in a church in Texas at the time when I did those whiteboard videos. Um, and then I had moved to Nashville in January of 2015 um, I think it was about February, March was when they reached out um, about the whiteboard videos and we were talking about me joining their team and working with them. Um, and William, who owns the Sketch Effect, uh, and I have a mutual friend who was having a book launch party here in Nashville. So we met up in person at that party for the first time and got to just talk about the possibility of working together. And shortly after I got hired and um, so after I got hired, I was like, cool. I feel so inadequate. William's work is up, <laughs> up here and I am down here and I can't believe they even hired me in the first place. Um, so I just wanted to like dig in and do the work. And I just did a Google search of like things to do or like sketch noting. And I saw that Mike Rohde was having a workshop here in Nashville in like a month. And so uh, that was March. And so in April I had the creative South conference. I actually left the creative South conference early to go to Mike's workshop two years ago. And that's kind of where I got my first training. So then after that, so, well, let me go back to this. So, um, uh, how early on, so was the dribble piece, the whiteboard, was that because were you had you sketch noted anything before like so nope. you really hadn't okay I didn't I think I had seen Williams work before because when I went to their website when they said hey would you like to work with us I went to their website and I was like I've seen this website before I think someone had linked to it before and I was just like oh cool but it didn't really click at the time mm -hmm. until that conversation got started so I think some people don't are they're more apprehensive to share because they feel judged and it is a lot of private stuff if you're doing sketch mm -hmm. noting or it can be um, how early on in sketch was that was that whiteboard thing the thing you posted on dribble really your first thing Yep, that was really the first thing. And then um, my first sketch note, I can share the screen real quick. Yeah. See if I can find it. That's not it. So were you sharing it on any other platforms besides Dribbble? Uh, I had a website on Squarespace at the time, but I wasn't really updating it. Um, but like on Facebook or Instagram, I don't even, yeah, Instagram was around. Um, but not on those, but now you do? Yep. I wasn't really sharing art on Instagram at the time. I was just trying to be a cool fake photographer. So if you scroll really far back in my Instagram feed, it's like really bad artsy shots of things that I thought were cool. But um, ultimately I decided, hey, I'm not a photographer. Why am I only posting photos that are not that great in the first place? But I think that's a good lesson. And I think it's great that you kept that up on your feed because people do change and people do try things and 
then they realize, hey, this isn't me. And I think that this may be sketch noting for some people, but I think it's about trying because you mm-hmm. do, you will find your right fit, I think. Yeah. So the fir- the whiteboard thing that you did for your friend, was that for pay or it wasn't for pay? It was for pay. Um, so I took off you. work. I took off work that day and drove to Houston and did a whiteboard video. And then they ended up calling me back about a year later to do a couple more. Cool. So that was my first big freelance drawing illustration job. And that's kind of what launched everything out was those whiteboard videos. All right. You, do you have your, your thing ready or no? You want me to keep talking? Yes. Oh, there you go. So hopefully you can see that. Yes. That's my that's my first ever sketch note. So this was after I had gotten hired with the Sketch Effect, but we didn't do any training at this point. Um, I didn't get trained till that summer in June or July. So in the meantime, between me getting hired in March and my first training in July, I was just practicing. So hmm. this was the first ever sketch note that I did at church. Um, again, I was new to Nashville, so I was church hopping every week and. I would go to events like creative mornings and try sketch notes there. Um, so that was the first ever How long did thing. it take to <laughs> click for you? Um, I think Mike Riddy's workshop is really what made it click. So, um, so it was like a month later cause, uh, or not even cause creative staff yeah. is, you know, the very beginning of April every year. Yep. So this is, these are the sketch notes from creative South. uh, There's Dustin. There's Dustin Lee's workshop and it's not really sketch notes as much as I drew a really bad picture of Dustin and took notes. Um, And then some other attempted sketch notes from some of the talks um, at creative South. And so then I left creative South early and I'm sorry, it, it clicked at the workshop right after creative South, but I, left early uh, Mike Reddy's workshop. So you can see we started out really basic, drawing simple stuff, uh, learning how to draw and write text, and then just practicing together. So then, but this has been my kind of barrier. Is it about taking notes or is it about listening, getting the key things, and then putting those key things down? Because early on, it's a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. But when I see them now, can you pull up something that's like more of uh, one of the graphic uh the, the bigger pieces or, or even one of your sketch notes, like from more recently. Yeah. Let me pull that up real quick because that seems like, so to me it's about listening and knowing what's important. Exactly. So let's see, here's a, here's a recent one. Those um, are awesome. So yes, it is all about listening. At first you are scared that you're going to miss something. And so you write everything down and then the more you do it, the more you practice, the more comfortable you are because you learn how to listen. So with listening, um, it's just practice really. It's, there's no easy way. There's no hack. Um, you just learn cues. So Uh, one thing that I teach in my workshops is like before we even start writing or drawing, I teach people how to listen, just the basics. And it's hard. Like it's really hard to grasp even in a workshop that's a couple hours long. It takes months, if not years to really learn how to listen. Um, I have a couple interesting things that I came up with. Let me see if I can find them. So in one of my workshops, I, or actually all the workshops that I do that I have time for, I will teach how, Sketchnoting listening is different from kind of everything else. Um, do you think sketchnoting listening is similar to maybe what people should do in classes? Or Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so here's something that I uh, mm. started with. 
Let's see. Can, can you see this? Yes. Like, okay. Head to head, head to hand, hand, head to heart. Yep. Head to hand and then head to heart. So when you're sketchnote listening or active listening is another word for it, um, you're basically bypassing yourself. So normally people are listening, the information's coming into their head, it's swirling around in their brain and they're thinking about how it applies to them. And then there is, it's swirling around in their heart and they're thinking about how it applies to them and how it makes them feel. And then they write out only the things that they've thought about and felt. They're not mm. actually writing down what the person said, most cases. So instead of that, which is fine, like if you're taking personal notes, that's perfectly fine. However, if you're being paid to capture information, I call it head to hand where the information's coming into your head and it's bypassing your brain and your heart and it's just coming out on the page. But it's about knowing what's important. Right. So do you do any pre-work? Because this is the other thing, the, the, how much are you researching these speakers and how much, I mean, like, none. I, none, wow. None. So it's really about listening. Have you always been a good listener then? Do you think this is just a natural skill that you were blessed with? Um, maybe, but it did take practice. Um, when I would train with William, we would all do the same thing and then we would compare sketch notes and he would say, this, these are the main points of the talk. What did you get and what did you miss? And so just practicing with someone who has been doing this a lot longer than I have, that's how you learn to listen because you're like, oh yeah. So a couple listening cheats are repetition. So if someone who's on stage is speaking and they repeat themselves, that means that it's really important to them. Um, if they're using their hand gestures a lot, it means it's important to them. If they get really loud, it means it's important. Um, if they put it on the screen, it's important. Like there's all these little cheats that you've seen, but you don't really realize that people are communicating non-verbally in ways that give you cues on to know what to listen to. So if someone's being really loud and they're using bed hand motions, I'm like, all right, it doesn't seem like it fits in with your talk, but you're really excited about it. So I need to write that down. And so you don't have like a separate piece of paper that you're writing these things down. You're actually going straight up. And so you're mm -hmm. just taking a gamble to be honest, but this is so like infinite to me with what I know of you. It's like, yeah, I'll just dive right in. And like, <laughs> you don't even know how deep the water is going to be like how deep that part of the subject is going to be. It could be, mm -hmm. but you end up just working it out. Like the, the guy that you had on um, just a minute ago that was like grays and blacks. Um, uh -huh. That, I mean, that one is like killer. It looks like you have taken hours and really, you know, I mean, and I granted, I know that you've been doing this professionally and you've been trained and you've practiced really hard for two years doing this as consistently. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped. I mean, cause I'm thankful you showed your first cause it was not like that. And so I think Hannah said, Hey, this makes me feel better though. I, yeah. um, but so when I was in college as a student, I remember even in high school, I was not the greatest student. I mean, I, I don't know. I was just not that smart. So I had to study really a lot and it was just like painful just trying to take notes at all these mm -hmm. But when I became a professor, we started doing these freshman seminar classes and they had nine keys to listening, nine things. I'm like, what? Who? Why didn't somebody teach me this? And exactly what you said, hand gestures, repetition, um, if they put it on the screen or if they get loud. But there are nine of these things. Mm -hmm. And if you can teach somebody to clue in, then you know what's most important. And I, and sometimes it's a pause or they do a... Yep. Uh, Pausing is another one. Uh, they do like a, a 
act something out that's always something you know instead of just maybe hand gestures but they're like hey watch this and then they go and do something Mm -hmm. that's another important kind of thing so to me um yeah so kim says it is really amazing i would love for my 12 year old to learn this and i do think it is about the keys of listening so Mm -hmm. do you find yourself sketch noting um and the information that you're getting in like in note in uh, client meetings or um, do you do it then too or do you still take regular notes other times um, it kind of depends on the context like um, I'll just show you my current notebook that I'm working in um, this is a meeting that I was in just this page um, you can't really see it that great but it's just a meeting now I, it's kind of sketchy there's pictures there but for the most part it's just for me so I didn't really worry about my handwriting being legible um, it was purely just getting the information and writing it down however um, like just the other night I went to a thing at church and they were um, just teaching about theology and some other stuff. And that was a lot more sketch notey. So these are personal notes, but I still try to incorporate pictures and like arrows and highlighting and containers just so yeah. I can remember the big points because think, yeah, there's containers is one of the things that you do so well. And I know it looks like it's planned out, but really I think that's how you're showing an idea. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lainey had a question about the sketch note uh, maybe a little bit ago, maybe the guy that uh, you had showed earlier that I love that one. Mm -hmm. Um, How long did it take you to do that sketch note? Uh, For that sketch note, let me just share it real quick since everyone can just look at it. Um, uh, Yeah, we we got it. Rob Johnson. There we go. So that one, the talk itself was about 30, 35 minutes long. So it was a little bit shorter. Um, and you can kind of tell because there's more chunks of information instead of like paragraphs of text. Um, it just kind of depends on the content. So for conferences that are like tech, there's going to be a lot of little interesting tidbits that are important. So you have to write them all down. But with conceptual things like sermons it's all about ideas and so you can kind of summarize the whole idea a lot simpler than you can with something more complicated I don't know if that makes sense so his sermon was shorter Um, he kind of had a storytelling thing going throughout the whole thing just talking about himself and things that he's seen and heard of Um, the talk was 35 minutes I uh, show this on Instagram a lot where I'll finish a sketch note and there's no grays um sometimes the illustrations aren't even fully finished yet because my main priority when I'm listening to something is getting the right information down. Like I can remember how to draw a picture or if I leave myself a blank spot, um, like for instance, I didn't draw the world in the arrows on the bottom left corner during the sketch note. Um, I just knew that radical world change was kind of a really big idea in that and that a globe would be a great way to draw that. Um, I can remember to draw that later more than I can remember the phrase radical world change. So mm-hmm. when I finish a sketch note, it's not necessarily pretty, but I have the bare bones down. Like I have the foundation, I have the skeleton structure and that's when I'll go home or finish it up right then. Maybe anywhere from 10 minutes if I'm rushed or 30 minutes if I have some time to just go in with the grays, finish the illustrations. So this one probably took an hour and a half 
um, just because this was for a client that lived in Nebraska. So I had all the time in the world to finish it. Um, I wasn't rushed. Like if we're hired at a conference, we have like, we want to get those to the client right away. So we don't have as much time to finish it. So um, it just kind of depends on the context and how much time I have to finish it out. So then, um, I mean, I guess that's one of the things with that piece I love so much is the grays because you're giving us depth. But I think you've created this system um, and structure with the shapes and then the arrows kind of take us through. And again, it's about listening. What was important was the mm -hmm. story. And with that, you could repeat his story to the, the, the gist of what he was talking about, that mm -hmm. we don't need all every single word that he said. But like you said, radical world change was something you knew you couldn't remember and you needed to write that down. So I think right. that's terrific. So there's no pre-work. You didn't know what Rob Johnson looked like before no. you went to church that day. Okay. So for the most part, we liked to do the headers. Um, it's kind of either or at um, the sketch effect. When we do graphic recording, we like to do the headers beforehand. So we ask the speaker name, we ask what their talk title is going to be. And we ask for their headshot ahead of time because that way we can do those before we even show up to the event and we can just like get to work on the whole sketch note without having to try and like perfect their face when they're standing over you, like finish my board. Um, however, with sketch notes, I like to actually do the header last. So I just leave the header blank. So I go back in with the logo and the portrait afterwards, just because that's something that I really want to spend a lot of time on to make sure that it looks good. So I don't want to rush through it while I'm doing the sketch notes. All right. So going back to your Mike Rody workshop, how mm -hmm. long was that workshop? Was it an eight hour workshop, three hour workshop? I want to say it was four hours. Um, it was, I think it started at 1 PM and I think we got out that afternoon. So um, I want to say four hours. It might've been four, uh, five, but it was shorter. Like it wasn't a half day, full day thing. So then how did taking that workshop, because that seemed to be like the, um, the light bulb moment, how did yes. taking that workshop help you or taking a workshop, because I'm not sure it would have had to have been, but I think you working um, with William, William? Yeah, William. William. I think working with Williams helped also. So it could have been him or Mike giving you a workshop, but how, how would, I'm trying to, so, uh, so the other people could find maybe a workshop mm -hmm. or something online like what you're doing and why would that help? Why did that help you? And why do you think that would help other people? Um, for me, it was just all about the in-person experience. I think I learned by doing and learning from masters more like I love books. I will read and buy all the books in the world. And I have a lot of sketch noting and doodling and drawing books, but those only get you so far, at least for me. Um, I can learn from books but it it just doesn't click practically until I see a master do it. So at Mike Rady's workshop, he's the guy who literally wrote the book on sketchnoting. So he's the one who can give me feedback. And that's the great mm. thing about live workshops is that you have the pro there to give you that feedback live. Like, that was good. Keep doing that. Also do this. Or mm, that was maybe not too clear. Maybe try this instead. And just that live real-time feedback was really helpful. And then just the confidence of practicing is what it really came down to is practicing, practicing. And then one of my favorite parts in the workshop was that um, whenever we finished an exercise, we would lay our sketchbooks open and walk around the room and see whatever mm -hmm. everybody else did. So it's, I always teach in my workshops, your sketch 
notes should never look like anybody else's. And that's because your style's different. You learn and you listen a little bit differently. Hopefully the structure is the same across all of them, but they're going to look different. And I think it's cool to learn from other people, not just the teacher. Absolutely. I think you get a ton. Um, so Amy's saying, I need to go back and study his books a lot. That was fun when we did that in your workshop at Creative <laughs> South. So yeah, I totally stole that from Mike. So I was like, that was like the most valuable part. So now I do it in all my workshops. So I have a, I had Lainey actually asked me a question on Facebook earlier this week or last week. And really what's the difference between doodling? And I know we're like not, we're on, not even on question four yet, or I think we're just a little bit in question four. Sorry about that. <laughs> but what's the difference between doodling and sketch noting? Cause I think in all this series, we really haven't covered that. Yeah. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Um, if I were to take a stab at it, I think doodling is probably more of a mindless activity. I think it's more of keeping your brain occupied and your hand moving because some people learn with motion. Like mm -hmm. I'm kind of the same way. Like if I am listening to a podcast or watching a movie, watching a movie, um, sometimes I'll draw at the same time. <laughs> and it's funny, like when I go back at those drawings, I'll look at a specific piece of the drawing and be like, I was watching that movie and that scene when I drew that specific thing. It's really crazy how those memories are tied together, like the kinetic emotion. So I think doodling is more of the motion and keeping your brain occupied, but it's not necessarily like a focused illustration like sketchnoting is. Right, right. Literally is it's taking notes in sketches mm -hmm. instead of, and it, I do think it's key. Listening is absolutely yeah. key. Um, I agree. I think you're, um, definition of that is terrific. So Daniel has a question regarding the use mm -hmm. of color in illustration. Are there any famous or lesser known illustrators that you would like to emulate? Great question. Hmm. Um, I always go back to Gary Larson because his style is so simple, but it just communicates so much. Mm. Um, of course I can't think of anybody else at the top of my head right now, but, um, I actually look at artists that aren't even related to sketchnoting. So even like paperwork um, is really inspiring to me or watercolor. And for me, it's just like being inspired by the basics of designs, like line, shape, color, form, movement, motion. Those things inspire me and will inform my own style. So I could doodle something and then be inspired by a completely different form of art. And then my doodle might change because it was informed by something else. So right. I'm not really looking to emulate anybody. I'm just looking to be inspired by others. And it's not really necessarily limited to illustration. Gotcha. All right. So um, you also teach workshops. And so how much should, sh blech, should someone know before coming to a workshop? Or maybe what kind of questions should they ask before they sign up? I think um, I think people can come not knowing anything. Um, I am an advocate of you should come even if you think you can't draw. You should come even if you think your handwriting sucks. Um, if you have an interest in learning how to listen and take notes visually and just, even if it's just for yourself, like I've had plenty of people in my workshops that are like, I just want to take notes in church that look cool. Like that's totally justified. I think if you have an interest, that's enough. Um, right. It's always nice if you do homework beforehand, like this is what sketchnoting is and here's some of the masters and uh, here's different styles. Like it's always nice to be informed, but um, I always start with a clean slate in my workshops. Like, yes, I know you probably know how to draw a box, but we're going to go over it anyway, because to me, 
I like to like lay that foundation of the basics because the basics are what's most important. Like it's not about drawing the amazing cat or dog or house. Like it's about drawing a dog or cat or house that's recognizable. So it's nice if you want to get those skills better up. And I try to build in question times into my workshops where it's like, all right, I got this. What about this? Like I want to be able to be a resource to people. So it's impossible to cover all of those bases, like the person who knows nothing and is just interested and the person who's already started and wants to get better. Um, I can't necessarily serve everybody, but I'm at least available before or after to kind of help people. So if you're doing a series of workshops, say there might be a beginner one where you cover the basics and then you mm -hmm. might have an intermediate or an advanced one where you're going to be covering different things, maybe more concepts or mm -hmm. listening skills or, or, you know, structural things that really you get into later after you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. What would you say would they would need to know if they were in an intermediate or how long had, would they have been sketch noting or what would they have, like what skills would they have accomplished before they could really level up? I think if you're going to consider yourself an intermediate sketch noter, you have to be a pro at listening. Like that's the foundation is listening. Like if you can't listen, if you're just an amazing illustrator and your sketch notes look great, but your content isn't accurate, it's not effective. And that's the whole point. So if you're going to be intermediate, you need to be an effective listener, hands down. Um, again, with the drawing, like if you can draw an effective drawing, that's a stick man and a box with a triangle on top of it for a house good enough for me. Um, I don't really consider level of prettiness, level of effectiveness. Right. And yeah. And that's as design is, it doesn't always have to be the tightest, most beautiful portrait or photographically accurate. Right. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to start feeling confident or did you feel pretty I mean, you really had drawn all your life in these simplified, you kind of mimicked things. So that's time mm -hmm. as well. So you felt confident in that. And then you took a leap of faith and said, I can do this. I've got these skills. I can do this. But when did you start feeling really confident about doing this as part of your profession? Um, I think probably four months after Mike's workshop and pretty immediately after William's training. Um, that was where I just felt like they both were so helpful and knowledgeable and encouraging that they were like, you can do this. And even though my skills at the time were pretty shaky and everyone always has room to improve, um, my confidence was kind of acquired when other people said you can do it instead of me. Cause I was like, I don't know, you're up here. Um, I wasn't really believing in myself that I could level up to their level. So it's, um, so the community, oh, sorry, community yeah. really had it. So if you don't have like a master in your area, what you can mm -hmm. do is reach out and um, talk to some people who are doing it online. You can also right. um, share online and try to get encouragement. But instead of just leaving it at that, you could ask to, to be mentored by somebody or you could take an online workshop, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So yep, I think so. Um, I think also with confidence, like confidence does not equal mastery. Um, just because I was confident in what I was doing and I was finally like, yeah, I can do this and I'm okay at it. Like just because I was confident doesn't mean that I'm a master. Like once you let that pride take mm. over, like I'm a master, I'm confident, then you stop growing and you stop learning and you stop getting better. So as long as you're confident and you're open to learn and get better, I think that's the sweet spot. 
I love that. I love because humility is Im super important. So mm -hmm. Kent has a question. Have you ever been the artist and the speaker at the same time? Not yet, but I'm kind of hoping to. I think it'd be really cool to be like a speaker on stage and draw at the same time. I just don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know how you could do that, but I mean, maybe, I mean, it would be amazing. I think I would just, I, I guess it'd be like being a puppeteer. You can do <laughs> Ray Charles and the backup girls at the same time, because it's really thinking on both sides of your brain mm -hmm. to think about what's next. Right. Um, so with with this and this is something that you offer how often do you currently practice um right now i practice sketchnoting pretty much weekly um sunday church is mostly the avenue where i do that just because i'm already there and i'm already interested and engaged and it's a great way to practice um sermons are a really easy way to practice because Pastors are trained on speaking, so they're, they know how to deliver information in bite-sized chunks. Um, pastors, like the typical thing is the three-point sermon, the introduction, the three points that support it, and then the application. And then there's also um, what they call the inductive method, where it's um, observation, interpretation, application, and it's just like this whole process. And once you learn the process of speaking, you can just listen to anybody and you're like, oh, this is a three-point sermon or, oh, this is the inductive method. This is so easy. Like once you learn the background, the skeleton of the talk, you can do anything. That's cool. That also helps with confidence too, probably. Yeah, for sure. So I mostly practice at church. However, um, I also sketch note at things like creative mornings, whenever I go to a professional breakfast or a networking lock, like luncheon or lecture, I'll bring my sketch note along. Uh, my sketchbook along just because it's what I do and it's how I listen now. Um, and I think it's a great way to connect with people too. If you're sitting at a table and someone's talking and you just start drawing out the notes, they're like, oh my gosh. And then you've made a new friend and it's like a great conversation starter. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, let me see. Um, somebody had a question. I want to make sure we answer it. So Vanna Hutchinson asked, can you give the book titles or workshops you have used? Yes. And um, I will share the Mike Rody book over here on the side because I know I already have that in the um, in my link. So you yeah. keep talking and I'm going to share that one. Yeah. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. Um, I have a reference guide that I send out to all my students. Uh, I think it's on page nine. So here's all the books that I recommend. And uh, these are just the... I think the most effective way to get started with sketchnoting and doodling and drawing. Um, Dan Rome's book, Draw to Win, is one of my favorites. It's really short read. There's a lot of pictures in it. And it's just like, if you've ever read The War of Art, it's really similar to that. And that it's just like one, two punch, straight talk. This is why it's important. And then there's some practical application as well. And then uh, Sunny Brown, I know Alma has talked about her. Um, mm -hmm. I can't think of what the name of that one was. You took it away too quickly. Oh, but sorry. that's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'll get you to um, send me a picture of that or send me the um, yeah. oh, Here's Doodle that again. Revolution. And I think that's what I think some people get confused with doodling and then sketching because to some extent, some people are calling it doodling, but some it really is sketchnoting. Yeah. Right? Um, 
Yeah, I think, again, like doodling is not necessarily intentional, whereas sketchnoting is pairing the information and the art together. So it's not just like filling the page with doodles because you don't like white space and it looks weird. It's filling the page with intentional drawings because you want to highlight the information. So you're not just drawing hearts and stars and globes and crosses and stuff that is frankly pretty cool. But at the same time, like if it's not intentional. I'm not really interested in it. Right. So people could, if they wanted to, they could do a sitcom, they could do a Ted talk. They mm -hmm. could do, um, it, you know, if they wanted something in, you could do a YouTube how to video, mm -hmm. um, anything like that are good things to practice. Do you have anything else that you would, uh, um, I do think it's in, it's interesting to do it in person. Mm -hmm. um, it also helps you get maybe over some of your fears, but yeah. is there any, any other things that you might help somebody in the beginning? Yeah. I always tell people to start practicing with Ted talks and that's because mm -hmm. Ted talks are timed. They're so limited and the speakers are rehearsed. So they know exactly what they're doing. They're not just like, Oh, I lost my PowerPoint and where's my notes. Like they're not confused. So it's good to practice with the structure so that when you don't have it, you're not freaking out. Um, and then TED Talks are also really fast. Um, the speakers talk really, really quickly. And if you can capture a sketch note from a TED Talk, you can capture anybody because it's probably not going to get much more fast than that. Um, and it's just like kind of training yourself for the extreme. And then reality is usually a little bit farther back from that. Right. Um, I, also, I also recommend that people sketchnote things that they're interested in. Like I, if you think TED is like super boring and you hate lectures, don't sketchnote it. Like there's your art and your sketchnotes are so personal. And if you are drawing and sketchnoting and capturing things that you're not interested in, it's totally going to show. But if you're interested in hiking, like sketchnote your hikes. Um, I do that sometimes when I go somewhere new, like you can sketchnote experiences, um, hmm. restaurants, recipes, processes, events. Um, you can do a personal journal, like sketchnotes don't have to be lecture. I always say that there's lecture based and experience based and um, they're just completely different animals. So if you don't like lectures, that's okay. Sketchnote experiences. Maybe I'll do that when I'm in Italy next week. You should. Yeah, I won't be beautiful, but it'll you'll be able to tell where I was, hopefully. Yes. Cross our fingers. So Daniel asked, do you hold workshops in North Carolina? I don't. I've never held one, but um, I'm always open to them. So um, my first workshop that I ever held was in January. The second was in April, and that was last month. So I'm still new to this workshop format. I love it and I'm always making it better and improving it. Um, I'll probably be hosting one in the fall here in Nashville, um, but I don't have a venue lined up yet. Like I know where I want to have it. I just haven't booked it yet. So I don't have dates or anything as far as that goes. However, workshops will be happening as far as where probably Nashville because it keeps the cost down for the students if I don't have to travel. Um, but I'm open to conversation. I've been talking to people in Kentucky and Phoenix. So if you want to bring me in for a workshop, let's talk. Like I'm open to that. It just depends on how many people we can get together. And we're going to share your content contact information in just a minute, but then we have a few more questions. I actually think we're going to be able to finish Emily. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to do this one really fast. And okay. I re really like this question. Oh, well, this was before the question that I really like. but, um, what are some things that you learned? Because I think, again, you also are a very teachable spirit and I love that about you. What are some things that you learned from your January workshop and then from your Creative South workshop? 
Uh, my January workshop, I learned that I think people value learning from each other just as much as from the teacher. Like I kind of changed stuff on the fly. Um, I had an iPad Pro with me. And so I just got an idea in the middle of the workshop. I was like, hey, let's do this together. And so I had people come up to the front and draw on the iPad Pro, like different kinds of containers. Um, and I had people work together at their groups and their tables. And like, I think those kinds of activities are what people really latch on to, like the community and sketch noting is a very close community. People encourage each other and give each other tips. So um, finding ways to tap into community and sketch noting is always a plus. And then I think the biggest thing I learned at the Creative South workshop was that I just didn't have enough time. Mm. Uh, I wish I could have gone on for another hour, but I didn't have it. So I don't want to do the content injustice by cutting it off. Like I really feel like there's a certain order to learn these things in. So I'm not going to do another workshop that I can't have some control over the time on. And yeah, it might be long, but you're going to learn it. Right. So then Vanna also had a question. She said, Phoenix, Arizona, could you offer a workshop via the internet? And you know what? That's our next question. So tell yeah. us about that. Um, so I have been working on an online course called Sketchnote Academy. Um, and I actually just have a landing page at sketchnoteacademy.com right now. Um, you can sign up to join the mailing list. And now is actually a really good time to join the mailing list because now that I have most of the content written, I'm figuring out how people want to learn it. So mm. whether that's I want to buy each lesson as I progress or I want to buy the beginners, which is only like five modules, or I want to buy the expert only, which is like another five modules, but not the beginner. Like... I want to learn what you want because I don't want to deliver a course that you're not interested in. So right now is great to sign up on the email list. I'm going to be sending out a survey. How do you want this content delivered? How do you want to learn? And based on the feedback that I get there, that's probably how I'm going to be delivering the course. So it's sketchnoteacademy.com for anybody who's listening on iTunes. So you can go in, you can um, sign up and then she's going to send you an newsletter on when you can purchase and how to purchase. Yep. And that's probably coming 2018. I'll be honest. It's going to be a lot of work to do an online course. Um, I'm not just going to like film in my bedroom. Like it's going to be a quality thing that you can always reference and come back to. Um, so just be patient. And if you're not patient, let's talk about a workshop in person. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right. So here's the question I love to ask everybody. Um, what would you tell your younger self to do differently if you could go back in time and then how far back would you go? I would go back to senior year of high school when I was deciding about college and what I wanted to do. Um, as I mentioned, I kind of went to college for design because I wanted to be an illustrator, but I didn't think it was practical. And I think limiting yourself is never productive. Like, um, my friend John always says, your past dreams are going to come back to haunt you. It just depends on how long it's going to take for them to get back at you and like eat away at you. So um, don't deny your dreams. Maybe the timing isn't right. Um, maybe it is wiser to go to college and learn about business. Um, but don't let that determine your life either. Um, I think side projects can be profitable and you don't have to let your college education define everything. However, I was really limiting myself by saying it's not practical and it's not possible and I'm not good enough. So I would have gone to college for illustration. I don't know if I would have gone to the same university. Um, 
But now I'm kind of kicking myself because I only had a couple drawing classes in college and they weren't all that great. I didn't learn a lot of basics. I never took a figure drawing class. So I'm really in, not confident about faces and figures and hands. So I'm kicking myself now because I have to go back and learn the basics. And it's like, I should have learned this years ago. Yeah, but maybe it wasn't the right time. You know, like I always, yeah. uh, I always think that maybe you couldn't take it in. You were learning something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now when you really want to learn, you will really learn it, right? Yep. Yeah, because I care about it. So who knows? I mean, I always think it's a 20. I mean, I hate this question, but I love this question, right? Because I'm the same way. I'm like a no regrets kind of person. But I really do believe like you are learning I'm just want to encourage you because I think you're doing great and who cares that you didn't know how to learn, draw, (laughs) you know, fingers or something. So um, tell us a little bit about in the last two minutes, while I'm going to share your links, um, what's next for you and then where you tell us where we can find you besides sketchnoteacademy.com. What else, um, and what else are you doing? Because this isn't the only way you make a living. I always feel Mm -hmm. like this is kind of a side, side project, right? This is just one of the things that you're doing. Yeah, so, I mean, I practice practice sketch notes every week, but I do it professionally anytime from once a month to like three times a month. It's very dependent on who hires us and how long those gigs are. So um, it's very much a contract position whenever the gigs come up. Um, Outside of that, I do freelance design and I do freelance illustration, Um, just random jobs because I have time and I think it's great. Um, Side note, if I had to give anyone else advice, it would be to get debt free. So Mm. get your finances in order and you can live the life that you have dreamed of because you can actually afford to do it. So unrelated, but there you go. Um, But what's next for me is more of the same. So more sketch notes, more graphic recording, um, the online course, sketchnoteacademy.com, hopefully 2018. And if you want to follow me online, uh, I just started a vlog. It's called The Sketch Vlog, and I'm going to be talking about a lot of the gigs that I do with The Sketch Effects. So walking through, picking the colors, um, getting ready to travel, traveling, how I interact with a client, what the events look like, um, just kind of everything behind the scenes. And then um, emilycarlton.com is just my portfolio site. Uh, Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. My username is at Emily A. Carlton. And that's what you are on um, Twitter also, I think. Just that's right. I always like to make sure that everybody knows. So her Facebook page is facebook.com slash Emily Carlton LLC. Mm-hmm. And then she was talking about her YouTube and her, um, she does make a lot of videos. She also, I've posted three other videos over in the um, comments in the chat section. The, your YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Emily Carlton. Not mm-hmm. Emily A, but just Emily Carlton. Yep. So um, Hannah says, got a meeting. She loved the show. She usually doesn't get to go because she works at a church. And they just work at a death. <laughs> it's my dream, so they don't work at a death. I mean, they do work a lot. But anyway, she does have a meeting in the afternoons on Wednesdays. So we'll have to talk to them about that. But <laughs> I'm just playing. Anyway, Emily, thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to just read off some of these over here again. Remember Instagram, Emily A. Carlton, YouTube. Emily Carlton, Facebook, Emily Carlton, LLC. And then again, her, um, you did the, uh, you have a bit.ly it's B I T dot L Y slash illustration is for everyone all spelled yep. out. That's a newsletter. You can also sign up at the bottom of her website, mm-hmm. um, which was Emily A Carlton, just Emily Carlton. Emily Carlton. I didn't have that on my um, list. So I'm going to add that in. Um, I mean, I know I've been there, but 
it threw me off with the A, but that's okay. I throw people yeah. off with the C. I can't get consistent usernames on all my platforms, <laughs> so you get what you can. I think that's fine. We got one more question. Um, and the sketch blog address or vlog address, which one is, um, is It's youtube.com slash Emily Carlton. Okay, so the, your your vlog is just a video blog and that that's it. So um, Emily, thank you for heading this up or finishing us out, I guess. Yeah, um, thanks so much for having me. This is fun. It is, it was really fun. And I'm thankful for all you guys coming and I hope that you liked this series. I'd love to know if you want another series. When we get back, when we get back, like me and my little friend here, not Emily, like my invisible friend, I guess. Um, <laughs> when I get back from Italy, which this is the longest I'm going to be, have been away from Design Recharge. So I feel like everybody's going to drop off and you're going to not remember who I am or anything. So it's kind of a long time, but it will be my five-year anniversary with myself and Design Woo-hoo! Recharge, I guess. Congratulations. So, <laughs> so Amy says she won't forget about me, thankfully. Um Thank you, Emily. I appreciate it. It's uh, been a long time, so I'm really, really excited. Um, I've never been anywhere, so I'm excited about Italy. I'll be gone for two weeks. You can follow me at uh, Design Recharge. I might post some things there, too, but I definitely will be. Um, C. Diane Gibbs will probably be filled up with uh, on Instagram, the, work, the letter C, because my first name is Constance. You can thank my mom for that. If your name's Constance, no offense, uh, it's not for me. So, um, but if you want to follow me, you can always follow at Design Recharge, www.rechargingyou.com or designrecharge.org kind of gets you to the same place. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Design Recharge. And I can't wait to have you back. Emily, I'd love to have you back. We'll talk about something else because you do do some pretty fascinating things. And uh, we have one more question. Yes. I try to see. Okay. Oh, Sia said, thanks. Congrats. Oh, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. See, I'm uh, excited that it's been this long. And I had an aunt one time ask me, she's like, well, who made you do that? Talked about a commitment. I said I would. I was going to do it for five years before I let it go, but I'm not letting it go or anything. I'm just making it to five years. Um, and she said, I said, me, I made that commitment to myself. <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was funny. I think we should make commitments to ourselves sometimes, right? I mean, right. You gotta, we got to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but what would help me the most is if you just rate it on iTunes or give it a thumbs up on YouTube or put it, make a comment underneath if you go to rechargingyou.com and you um, liked it or you want – that's the best way to make or share it with somebody. That's the best way to um, get – the word out. So I appreciate you guys. I'm excited. Blake Stevenson and Von Glitchka, not together, but soon after each other um, when I get back in June. So it's going to be a lot of illustrators. So maybe Emily, you'll like to come and see them talk. Um, Blake is one of my, I, he just draws the cutest little monsters. Like I just love them. And so he's a, the way he draws is really inspiring to me. And not that I want to copy him, but I do think it's good to you know, get ideas and inspiration, just like you were saying, from people that are outside of the area. And I'm not an illustrator yet, but hopefully I will be one day. So anyway, I'll come back and I'll be a whole new lady from Italy. Not really. I mean, I'm planning on being my same self, but you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm just rambling now. So thank you guys. Thank you, Emily. Now you're side by side, so I'm trying to look at you. Um, But I will see you guys in, um, in a month, I guess. Bye.